Hey everyone! Hi, Ian. Hi. You got a, you got a, you got a little thing on your head there. Welcome, a pink thing. Welcome to the Complete Unnecessary Podcast for Tuesday. A pink thing. You got a little pink thread on your head um. for Tuesday, January nineteenth, two thousand twenty-one. It can stay there forever. It's, it's there. <laughs> Alongside Ian Ferguson, I'm back. Do you want me to get it for you? Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. It was big on the, on the show today. What are we talking about? Pumping, dumping GameStop stock. Pumping, dumping. Uh, New York Times concerned about parenting and gaming during the pandemic. Uh, talk about uh, a couple li- limited run stories. And we'll do a Q&A and a Patreon poll topic as well. Uh, Ian, uh, how, how was your weekend? I, I, I had a kind of full weekend. I just can't remember anything specifically until I piece it all together. It's like lost. I uh, yeah no, my weekend feels strange. I I ended up working at the Chula Vista location on Saturday, which I never do, because uh, my coworker got food poisoning. And then Sunday was really busy. Uh, and then what did I do yesterday? No, I went. I actually went grocery shopping. I went grocery shopping at the Japanese market. Got stuff to make stocks and soups and things like that. That's pretty much it. I uh, I started playing that new Puyo Puyo Tetris uh, two. Uh, it's that puzzle game that mixes Tetris and Puyo Puyo together, and I'm awful at it. It's fun, but I can't play that shit online. I'm not good. I played uh, Paperboy 64, finished it up, and wrote a review for a certain upcoming guidebook. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought. I, I dreaded it. I usually look at, I, I usually look at, before I do these reviews, obviously I, I read some background on the games. I usually just do a quick glance, glance at the gameplay video, just get a look for how it looks and then how long, how long that long play video is. Sure. Oh, is it seven hours long? I'm in trouble. Like when I went back and replayed Quake, I was like, oh, this is going to be tough. This is going to be longer than I thought to replay Quake, and a lot tougher it was too. But um, no, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. The humor was on point on the game, even though the, the graphics are so rudimentary. Uh, the the polygons are like just like, I mean I mean I mean like almost beyond. It's like one level above stick figures. <laughs> the polygons. Yeah, I'm, but they're I'm, cute. I, I loaded up a screenshot to take a look just because it's been a while since I played it. Been a while. And uh, yeah, those those are just about stick figures. But you look at like how the like Bigfoot's design in the game and some of the animals and the creatures. Okay, I, there is a style to it. It's, oh yeah, it's not just slapdash. So. No, there's there's something there. There's something there. So and then I, I watched uh, some a, a lot of Netflix stuff. I, I've been off the Netflix, <laughs> off the swing, Netflix, and now I'm watching more like well, with the world going to hell, a lot more uh, CNN and cable news shit than I ever thought before, which isn't good either to watch a lot of that to make sure the world isn't falling. Yeah, I avoid it. I uh, I try. I well plus well plus it helps my my predicted gambling markets as well. Some of the news, it's like, it's like research. But um, so but now they add a lot of a lot. Of classic movies they've added to Netflix, so I rewatched for the first time. I, I hadn't watched it front to back in forever. Goodfellas, the Scorsese classic, which is uh, thirty years old, uh, nineteen ninety. Um, and wow, is it is it might? And I don't say it's better than I remember. There's a reason why people love that movie. 
It's not a better film in terms of mobster movies. It's not a better better quality movie than Godfather, but it's a more entertaining movie than Godfather. It goes by so quickly. It's only, it's like two hours, 20 minutes, but it goes by so quickly. And so much stuff happens. Two hours, 20 uh, minutes to me sounds short for a mob movie. That's actually that's kind of appealing. But, I, I almost want to watch it because of that. They're like they're always like three to four hour long fucking plotting. Well, The Irishman is like four hours long. Yeah, it's a good movie, Irishman, but it's like super long to watch. It's like a, it's like spans decades. No, this is. This well, this spans decades too, but it's so quick. It's, it's the movie's more like uh, Goodfellas. If you have if you haven't seen it out there, you're nuts. But um, it's more like vignettes versus one uh, plot narrative that weaves through. It's just like a like a series of vignettes. Mm. There's not really there's not really an overarching overall plot. It's more about just uh, Henry Hill and, and his uh, ups and downs and you know decline basically and what happens with him. But obviously, it's Scorsese. It's brilliantly directed. Um, watch it if you have not now it's on netflix there's no excuse there's absolutely no excuse at all and it's so it's so quotable that movie it's it's, it's nuts uh i think i think people quote goodfellas not realizing it's from goodfellas at this point and yes and yes it is the you know the the, the famous joe pesci madman role which he was uh nominated for I don't, I don't know if he won or not i don't know off the top of my head if he won but um it's his performance is frightening how psychotic it is. You forget just how psychotic it is. And the other characters are like looking at him like, holy shit, this guy is nuts. And then these are all based on real people too. That's the other thing. Like these are all based on right. real people. So there were people like this, this stuff kind of happened. Oh, according to oh, some though, Henry Hill, uh, who I think died a few years ago, finally, he might've uh, embellished some stuff, but for the most part, a lot of these stuff happened. These mobsters were killed off there. The, the, there's the, 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 the two heists in the movie did happen in real life. Uh, in, in Jersey, so like this stuff did did happen. What do you think portrays its source material more accurately, Bloodsport or Goodfellas? Oh, uh, Goodfellas <laughs> for sure. <laughs> okay, because we know these people got killed. Some of these people and these heists happened. Was it was it New Jersey? Was it Newark Airport or or LaGuardia? Or I think it was Newark Airport. But anyway, it all takes place around New York City and Northern Jersey. Uh, Goodfellas stuff, and of course De Niro's brilliant. In it. Everyone's everyone's brilliant in the movie. Uh, Leota's brilliant in it. And now he's just fucking hawking uh, cigarette, uh, med- anti-cigarette, so, like nicotine drugs or whatever. It'll, is that what Leota's s- doing? Uh, yeah, that's what Leota's been doing. Uh, Zantag, not Ciantix or something. People were making fun of the commercials a few years ago because he, he looked so out of it in the commercials. He looked like he was drugged in the commercials. Remember uh, that a few Ch- years ago? Chantix? Chantix, is that the one? He, looked, he looks terrible in these commercials. Actor Ray Leota says that thanks to Chantix, he was yes. able to quit smoking. Yes. Yes. But, but Ray Liotta's a great actor as well. And then I watched the uh, Night Stalker uh, crime uh, doc series on Netflix, which was new. And I've been, I've been getting into these crime doc series the past year. I never was into these before. Uh, but they're, they're extremely fascinating. And this one was great because it followed the two detectives and their path and journey through, which these users don't do. So it's from their perspective what was happening and yeah, how right. they investigated and their thoughts. So, so I'm like, this is shit I wanted to do. I like, like as a this. kid, basically. Like, this goes to another topic where I wanted to be an FBI agent when I was six years old. Mm-hmm. I, I had the drawing of my parents still. That's what I wanted to do. So like, this is like fascinating, this criminology stuff and them talking about uh, talking about why they brought up the theories they did, why they, they connected these different events to each other. Um, why this one detective saw well there's not to get into too much uh, horrific details of Richard Ramirez this piece of shit but he there was his crimes were almost totally random that's why they, they had a hard time 
pinning him down at the start um, until the evidence started to come in. Uh, physical evidence. Okay, we think it's the same guy, but it was not, uh, not like any other serial killer that I'd ever thought of or seen. It, it made no sense to crimes. And plus, they were kind of different, too. There was no connection to who he targeted as well. So that's why they're like, it was almost not a miracle that they started to piece together, but the, the physical evidence, it really tied into like, this is like really good police working. Like, like and, and, it, and this documentary showed it uh, to the, you know, nose to the grindstone sort of stuff, but then getting stonewalled by the LAPD. And then there was the, the, you know, the couple times, which always happens with these serial killers, where, well, we almost had him, and we wish he did, because then he went up and killed, like, you know, five more people. Like, there was, like, two we almost got him moments that happened, where the fucking LAPD fucked up, like, twice, um, and prevented evidence from getting over, or weird shit happened, where I was like, you gotta be kidding me that this stuff happened. And there's a couple of weird coincidences that happened as, as well, where crimes happened near what, where one of the detectives was, or people they knew, so... Yeah, it sounded like it, it sounded like L.A. was a fucking horrible place to be in '85, with yeah. this shit going on. Like the the whole city was uh, obviously fear for they feared for their lives because it was happening, and, and sometimes this guy was doing two crimes a night, not just one. Like he was nuts. Like, okay, I killed a couple people. I'm gonna go somewhere else now and do something else. Like in the same night, like, like that never happens with serial killers doing shit like that. Right. This guy just couldn't control himself. So check it out. Uh, it's Night Stalker on uh, on Netflix. That's my little. My little, uh, I probably will end up watching that this week. Super entertaining. Like, super. I mean, these are all well done. I recently watched their four episode. Uh, Netflix had a four episode um, uh, doc on um, the the Ripper murders in the UK in the late 70s into the early 80s. And that one. Was oh, I really, saw that one too. That one was really interesting. I saw that one too. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's why I want. Yeah. As a, uh, looking back at me wanting to be an FBI agent, boy, did I do I wish I was one right now with 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 things going on. If Twitter could charge me five bucks per FBI search in the search bar, I'd pay it. They'd see them <laughs> rounding up all these fucking assholes throughout the U.S. Uh, they got one of the, uh, they got the guy who was like literally on camera. He said they can't arrest everyone. Oh, well, oh no, they can. It's just going to take some time. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, <laughs> you've been arrested. They absolutely can arrest everyone. They know who you are. Yep. Um, and they arrested that fuck with the Confederate flag. They got him. Yeah, him and his kid. Um, and now they're trying to find that. Oh no, no she turned herself. The woman that was directing everyone. She's like, go upstairs. And they got, they got her. She turned herself. Turned herself. Yeah, in. she deleted all of her fucking uh, social media and shit. She went on the lamb. And uh, the FBI's gonna fucking find you. This yeah. isn't the '70s. You leave a trail, a digital trail. You know, it's kind of hard. It's a lot harder to go on the lamb uh, in 2020, 2021. It's a little bit harder. So yeah, that's that's where that's where I wanted to fucking put on my FBI f- fucking spring jacket with the letters and find these people and drag them out of their fucking houses, and they're crying like that fucking one woman in Texas, the realtor, the blonde. Oh yeah, 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 I saw her. Yeah, good idea at the time, huh, folks? It's a great idea at the time to do that. Yeah, let's let's document ourselves because we truly think we're going to be seen as heroes. No. These pictures will be in history books for not the reason you yeah, you yeah. want them to be in there. Oh, they'll be in some books. They'll be in criminology books yeah. and things like that. You know, <laughs> fucking morons. All right. Speaking of moronic behavior, CD Projekt Red had a public apology for their for the um, we'll just say uh, under underachieving release of, of <laughs> Cyberpunk. 2077 yeah i mean we've talked about it quite a bit before but um they uh 
what, what was his name? Marcus. I'm trying to find this, this article. Marcus Iwinski. Marcus Iwinski. Marcin Iwinski. Marcin, Marcin Iwinski. Um, released a video uh, apologizing, uh, supposedly owning up and, uh, you know, uh, documenting a basically a roadmap of progress where, you know, our commitment to quality. Uh, how long it's going to be before certain things and certain while. updates come out to improve the cyberpunk experience. Uh, but people have not taken too kindly to it because it still seems like there's some shifting of blame or uh, just things that don't seem quite right um, being said. It's the, insane. Yeah, the main thing is is he said that many of the problems that were um, you know, documented after the game came out were missed by their testing processes. And I, I, I look Come at on. I look at this as it's one of two things. Um, I, well, I think it's probably both things. It's throwing your QA team under the bus because you can say it was missed by testing. Um, and I think it's also a flat out lie because I just don't think that you miss that many egregious errors in bugs. You just you don't you can't. you can't possibly miss as many problems as this game had. At this point I would be much happier if they came out and they 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 can't but they need to <laughs> I feel like there are people who would be happier if they came out and said, "Yes, we released it knowing it was full of problems. We tried to fleece you." I, th- I think you go to jail though, potentially or some sort of fraud or SEC right, they thing. Can't, oh, you but can't do that. That's the shareholders would would hang, would hang them <laughs> if they did that. I just feel like this is like the it's, second or third attempt of them to try to own up to it, but they're not ever really owning well, up to the main problem. Well, well, they admit that they just developed it ass backwards. They said that we want to develop it for like a like the, a, a PC that can run this thing clean and perfect, right? And then realize we we're, were, we were in over our heads. We all said that when it came out. That's basically what probably what happened. They just they developed it for a, a, something a lot stronger than what people could play it on. You don't develop games that way if you want to sell them on a system. Like right. this is common sense. Well, you don't do that shit. There's ways. Wait, Rockstar's released their big GTA games on uh, uh, two different consoles. Didn't have these problems, you know. But they, they, but they, they are, I guess, a better company you know, that, that does that knows that this shit can happen. You you develop for the, the for the for the minimum first, and then you you build out. But from what I hear, well, yeah. For, for instance, GTA you know five was released on the 360 and PS3 first, and then they did PS4 versions. But they did those versions afterwards. Yeah, they, there's ways to do they this. Didn't, they didn't try to develop that version first and then squeeze, you know, put the game out on a on a older system. Um, and there's still a lot of talk in the apology about um, getting it to run on last gen hardware. This game was it's supposed up, to up. come out before the, before this because is. you delayed it twice and it came out after the you know the, the, new, the gen. new gen hardware came out doesn't mean that you were suddenly making a new-gen game. You were developing this the whole time for PS4, Xbox One, and PCs. Streaming is responsible for feeding the engine with what you see on screen. I like him breaking it down and dumbing it down for everyone, which because most people don't give a shit about this. I want a game that runs. I don't need to know how it develops. But he said, he said streaming is responsible for feeding the engine with what you see on the screen, as well as the game mechanics. And since the city is so packed, it's so dense every... <laughs> And the disc bandwidth of old gens is what it is. Um, it constantly challenged us. Every change and improvement needed to be tested, and as it turned out, our testing did not show a big part of the issues experienced with playing. This is bullshit. You had the dev kits for these consoles for for 
close to 10 years. You, you had the PS4 dev kit. You, you knew there were problems leading up to this. They just got it in over their heads on it. And at that point, they're just like, well, the engine's fucked, probably. We can't reverse it. We'd have to probably redo the game from, ground, from the source code from the ground up. That's what I think. So they're fucked. They were fucked. That's it. Yeah, it would have taken... I think the delay we would have been looking at for them to truly fix it would have been another couple of years. They would have had to have taken so much stuff down to the 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 supports. Yeah. Strip it strip it down to the fucking, uh, you know, to the, the, the bare structure. The bedrock. The be- yeah, to the bedrock. That's, that's basically what's going on here. They just... They did it ass backwards. But, yeah. And it, it talks about the, the, what happened with the PC review keys, blah, blah, blah. Well, not perfect. It's a version of Cyberpunk we're very proud of. Well, that's good because you can't be proud of anything else. <laughs> so one out of the you know the five versions you can be super proud of or close to proud of, you know, not, not even five versions. There's one version basically. Well, there's a console version and a PC version. You know, it comes down to it. And, oh, it brings up the COVID. Fuck. Can, can we stop people blaming COVID? Fucking stop it. So many businesses got their shit out with COVID happening last year and still happening. We had. Uh, these uh, Microsoft and Sony got their consoles out. Other companies got out hardware and got out software. Stop p- fucking using COVID as an excuse. I'm fucking over it. I'm over it. Stop. I, I, a lot, a lot of companies uh, figured figured this shit out. Fucking stop it. I feel like COVID uh, is a valid excuse, but it, a lot of the times that it's being invoked, it's it's obviously an easy cover for other problems that already existed a lot of the dynamics we normally take for granted got lost over video calls or email so they're basically saying that we couldn't communicate because fuck you really you can't do video calls and be hey look 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 the the graphics aren't popping in for 30 seconds like you need to be in person to go over this shit you gotta be kidding me come on this is bullshit it's ridiculous you don't know your game's broken because of COVID? Did you play your game? The game's been in development for fucking eight years. <clears throat> and COVID has only been around the past uh, year. It was fucked a year ago before COVID. <laughs> it was fucked. It's been fucked, yes. It was fucked before COVID. COVID didn't make it fucked. Didn't help, but it was fucked. I'm getting angry. This could have been a full topic. Because this is ridiculous now, this apology. Yeah, no, it's... What are their plans? Continue to work on game, uh, future updates and improvements. Yeah, good luck. And then in the long term, said our plans uh, did not change. Because they still do the multiplayer shit eventually. Free DLCs, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. I didn't even know there was supposed to be multiplayer. <laughs> Have fun figuring that out when the game's a mess on consoles. For those of you playing on Next Gen, uh, there's a free Next Gen update for those on the... Uh, okay, that's good. Because, hey, I got to buy a new console to play the fucking game. Because I can't play it on my PS4. <laughs> You're basically forced to buy a new... So that's good, at least. You don't have to rebuy the game that should have worked. Great. <laughs> hey, you can still play that game if you, if you, if you shell out 600 bucks for a new console. Woo! Wow. That was worse than I thought after I actually read the details. Mm-hmm. Of it, I was like, wow. He's bringing up COVID. Saying, oh, we couldn't communicate this stuff with video calls and phone... Like... What are you signing it out in person? You have you, you can't. What do you mean you can't communicate? What is this shit? <laughs> signing it out in person. Like what? What do you? What? Do, that's ridiculous. Yep. It was it, it was it was bad from the from the from the get go. 
how do you how do you say we're going to develop this for the for the, the highest platform the the best the, the best the best experience possible and then well is it going to work on the t- seven year old technology we don't know we don't know but once you get there you know it doesn't and then you're fucked it's ridiculous you know what's you know what's great though that means I should talk about something else the GoldenEye <laughs> Mario sixty four mod is incredible. Yeah, it's neat. We've talked uh, a little bit about it before because it's one of the more popular ones to get put onto repro carts and sold. Um, But this came up in the news again because they just recently put in a custom level that looks like Peach's Castle, which is pretty cool. (laughs) Um, The mod changes all the characters to various Mario characters. It looks like it puts... um, Koopas and other enemies in there, and it's it, just yeah, it's, it's adorable it's, and cute because they still it's sound very cute. They, it's Koopas carrying machine guns, right? Firing at you, <laughs> but when you shoot, they still have a death animation from Goldeneye. They still like flail around and, and fall down. You almost don't want to shoot them anymore. Oh yeah, because they're basically adorable. just applying these new uh, models to the skeletons that already existed, the riggings that are already there. So yeah, they're going to have the same funny um, animations and all that. But yeah, it looks really. I don't know. Looks really fun. Mario's, Mario's ultimate objective is to still defeat Bowser, facing him shortly after each big star door. After leaving a trail of bodies and tracking down the legendary Colting Gun, Mario one-shots the Koopa King, completing the mission. <laughs> I guess that's from the gameplay video. Oh, man. That's hysterical. Yeah. You gotta love this stuff. Yeah, it's pretty cool looking. Is there gonna be an NBA Jam movie, Ian? Yes. So, uh, NBA Jam uh, has been in the news a lot this year. Um... There was the arcade one up for Player Cabinet. And uh, Ray and Ali's book, NBA Jam uh, from Boss Fight Books, came out. And it's really, really good. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. And it's now being turned into a major motion picture. A major motion picture release. (laughs) It's being turned into um, a documentary. A motion picture. And I'm really excited to see that. I think, um, especially if they get some good interviews, um, the stories that are in the book are incredible. And if any of those can be translated, um, you know, to video with the actual athletes or the people who worked at um, Midway, which I'm sure they will, uh, I think this is going to be a very, very good documentary. It's going to be one of those ones that I bet could fill an hour and a half, and it's going to feel like it was 45 minutes long to watch it. That's kind of how I felt when I was reading the book. It was a it was just very good writing uh, very interesting writing um, one of those books that just goes by real fast when you're reading it because you're having such a good time um, and yeah I think it's going to be a real breezy documentary I can't wait for this uh, according to this article from Variety earned more than 1 billion dollars in quarters 1 billion dollars yep that's insane yeah it's it's wild um, so uh, I think with we've got the book uh, we've got a documentary coming. Spaceballs the movie. Spaceballs the coloring book. <laughs> we've got the arcade one-up cabinet. All we need now is a new fucking entry in the series. What was the last one? Almost 10 I think, years ago? I think 2010 was 11, 10. when uh, the Xbox Live Arcade and On Fire editions came out. Which wasn't terrible. No, it was fun. I liked it. It was a little bit too... Not too too technical in the gameplay. They added some little more dribbling stuff and things like that. But it was fun. It had the spirit there. But I, I think they could... I think people want to see, like, a, a sprite-based, like, version of this. They want to see something like the original, but just updated. I don't think uh, they'll updated. necessarily get a sprite-based version. That would be great if they did. But, um... 
Yeah, I I don't I think there must be some sort of licensing issues because NBA or, or I'm sorry, does 2K, a claim still have it? No, two. Uh, well, oh. yeah, I think a claim still. Well, no, a claim's gone. I don't know who has that. Uh, EA had the. Oh, that's right. It was EA. I believe EA had it. NBA GM trademark. Who has the fucking trademark? 2K currently puts out NBA playgrounds. NBA Properties owns the NBA Jam trademark. So they got to license a trademark from, M- from the NBA, but then just make their own game, I guess, and get their sign-off. Um, Interesting. Yeah, 2K does a series called NBA uh, 2K Playgrounds. Um, and I enjoy it for what it is, but it doesn't it doesn't grab me the same way that Jam does. Um, it's, it's a little... It's a little too focused on stats and collecting characters from oh. packs of cards. So, yeah. Yeah. You just, can, if you want to put your team together, you got to get the cards and then... Just update NBA hang time. Just update that with fresh That would rosters. be fine. Yes. And, and we're good. That was the peak. I don't even like the double alley-oop. I hate that, but everything else in that game is fantastic. The, the, te- the, te- the technical nature... Of hang time is perfect for the amount of things you can do, but that's where it should end. You can do floaters, you can do fadeaways. The blocking mechanic is fantastic in hang time because it's based on timing. So, do a game like that, which is what the, the new NBA Jam was kind of like. Like it was closer to that. Yeah, it was fine. Anyway, um, you know, you know, what you can pump your quarters into. You can pump them into ultimatenintendo.com. <laughs> Virtually, you can check out. Certain guidebooks there. You can get the... Don't actually put any quarters in your Not to your computer, no. No, that'd be bad. Don't do that. But you can check out the C Podcast enamel pin. We got the limited t-shirt. We got the My Man t-shirt on sale for fourteen ninety nine, and And my DVDs and not for resale Blu-rays and other stuff. Go to UltimateNintendo.com. I'm also going to be on Twitch uh, Wednesday night. Every Wednesday night for the most part it's turned into where I watch 80s commercials. And I've been doing it for like 10 months straight somehow, almost. Nine months straight. It's been fun. I'm also on Cameo, Cameo.com slash Pat Country. That's my that, that's my plugs there, Ian. Good. Nice. I, I, and Ian's going to be at his, in his kitchen. Nice plugs. Making some stocks. Yeah, I'm going to make some stocks this week. Going to make some dashi. You should, you, should, you should stream your cooking. I think people would tune in for that. They oh, would. I just don't like I just don't like being on camera. You picked, you picked the wrong profession. Ian. I know. I know. You know, seven years into it, I'm still not used to it. Seven and a half years almost. Seven and a half. And we're not even counting your, your awesome debut in the Caltron 6 and 1 video. No, no, no we're seems not. Like it was, 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 was over 10 years ago. Oh, that happened. You believe that? That was over a decade ago? That was in the 2000. Was it? Was that 2011 or 10? Was that right after I moved here or was it 2011 after, after I got my hooks into you? I forget. I got, I'll look that up. Uh, talk about Pokemon, Ian. Well, I looked it up. Pokemon Snap. Uh, so it's uh, this year is the 25th anniversary of Pokemon. And while I'm personally not aware of everything that they're doing to celebrate the 25th anniversary, uh, they did release a new Pokemon Snap trailer um, just the other day. So for those who might not know what Pokemon Snap is... It was is, over 10 years ago. It was December 18, 2010. Jesus, Caltron. Jesus Christ. Yes. Um... For those who don't know what Pokemon Snap is, it's a spin-off game in the Pokemon franchise where you 
sit in like a little car and the car takes you around various uh you know nature zones like a like a safari it's like an on rails experience yeah um you base yeah you start and you start and it just it drives you through the area uh it usually takes a few minutes to get through each level and you have 360 degree rotation and basically you take pictures of the pokemon going about their daily lives um you know you can catch them playing you can catch them fighting. You can throw apples or smoke bombs at them to get them to interact with you in different ways. Smoke bombs, really? Yeah, later on in the game. So that's not healthy for them. And it's a really relaxing, fun take on Pokemon um, that I, I kind of like that more than the standard Pokemon battling. I like Pokemon as a franchise. I like the concept of Pokemon. Uh, I love all... The, I think all the critters are super duper cute. Um, but... The constant battling, I, I I feel like it's more fun when you're just existing with the creatures in nature uh, than I don't know dog fighting them. And like I said, I, I, I don't enjoy get the games. I don't I don't get Pokemon. I don't I don't get it. I love I them. I don't get I, I I understand why people like these characters. I don't get the battling part. Maybe that's what, like I don't understand. We're gonna have these cute colored creatures fight each other to the death, like or not like. Until uh, they're unconscious, you're, you're you're basically becoming dog. They fight. Fight. It's, it's a dog fighting ring at this point <laughs> with cute characters. You get that, people? That's what Pokemon is. You're you're forcing these animals to fight each other. And that's what you're doing. And, and I just never got into that aspect. Now that I'm really analyzing, it's kind of sick when I think about it. In a way, <laughs> it's kind of sick. I got past it, but it does uh, it does creep up every there's time. There's some moral a new questions entry. that are raised. <laughs> there's some ethical questions that are raised. <laughs> If you just take it at its face value, at this bright, happy sheen, it's okay. But yeah, if you think a little deep, it gets a little the weird. Value. Let's put it this way. If you try this in real life with creatures, you'd be arrested on the spot. <laughs> you would be. You would be arrested. But in this world, it's allowed, which is why I kind of like the, the movie. They kind of shied away from that aspect of it, right? It was more just hanging out in the same world with these creatures. Jeez, oh, I don't remember I, the first movie. It's been a long time since I saw it. I saw it on the plane. It was good. Um, and the only time they fight Oh, you're talking battle. about Detective Pikachu. Yeah, Detective Pikachu. Yeah, that they, wasn't so much focused yeah, was, on it, battling. It was more like, oh, we hang out with these weird-ass creatures like, somehow, but they're still regular animals as well, which is weird. Um, and then there was a one there was a one fight scene, I think, like, when they actually went to the, the underground fighting stadium. Thing. Yeah. So like, that made sense, but that's like illegal shit. Like, that's not going to be... You, you shouldn't be selling tickets, you know, uh, to Shea Stadium to watch a uh, Pokemon's fight. Rest in peace, Shea Stadium. You know what I mean? Anyways, this is the point. That always freaked me out, but I always liked Pokemon Snap on the 64. I always liked that game. Yeah. I always did. I just enjoyed it. Oh, I'm just, it's like bird watching, or you're, go, you're going to the zoo, or you're going on a safari. You, I mean, how cool is it to watch animals in a natural environment? Yeah. Not kick the shit out of each other. So for your pleasure. It's a genius idea. I always wanted a, a sequel. Um, when we didn't get one on the GameCube, I wasn't super surprised. But then when we got to the Wii and we didn't get one, I was starting to be like, hmm, this... Are they ever going to bring it back? Because the Wii was, it, the Wii with the motion seemed like a pretty good, uh, you know, system to bring it back. Sure. on. you could point the remote at the screen, yeah. take the pictures that way. Nintendo loved to work the motion controls into anything they could. That game would have been uh, real easy to apply the motion controls to. And then I know we've talked about it on here before, but the Wii U would have been fucking perfect for it. It's, it's on a tee for you, Nintendo. Just swing away like that's the game to make. I and mean, you didn't do it. I mean, your your controller is the camera. The camera. You're looking around. Viewfinder. Look what around. Is, like that's the one game that would have been a success on the Wii U. So when they didn't put it on the Wii. <laughs> you i i honestly at that point i wrote the franchise off i was like okay if they're not well, going to make it for the most obvious system 
they might have said, "Well, this system sucks. We, sure. might, we might as well not do it." Maybe I, they were. Maybe they started developing. Yeah, maybe they saw the writing on the wall. We'll just put it in the corner in the closet for now. That's something that might come out later. Maybe we will see that they were working on one. But after three systems without a, uh, uh, you know, an, an, uh, a sequel, I was beginning to think that we and, were never going to see it again. And it's that, not, that's longer than F Zero. F Zero at least had a release on the GameCube. <laughs> But it's not like a, a, a game that requires like 10 years of time to do. This isn't like an intensive no. RPG says you're taking pictures of animals. You know, like that's what you're, it's, it's adorable. Mm-hmm. You're just gliding through environments. Like that's, I mean, I'm sure this version is going to beef up that experience over the original, but come on, you can play one of these games like every two years if you want, two, three years. I thought, I thought it was funny that, that the comments went, um, now, now, one of the reasons that, that, I'm turned off a little bit because all the whining about Pokemon Sword and Shield that happened last year, and and I saw it now connected to this, where it's like, why does this look better than the animations look better than Pokemon Sword and Shield? It's an entirely different game. That's why there's less animations you probably need for this than a fighting game. You know, with, with, with well, there weren't a lot of animations in Sword and Shield, but, but several hundred characters you had to fucking deal with attacks and shit. But it's like, can you just appreciate this game's coming out and it looks great? There were valid complaints to be had about Sword and Shield, but it's just, it's over, the the negativity in the Pokemon fan scene is really, really trying. I didn't know it was there until that that shit, that kerfuffle last year. I was like, this is what, you're talking about animals fighting each other, which which is unethical. So now, anytime something comes out Pokemon, there's always going to be people who complain. Um, Yeah, I thought it was odd that people were complaining about it looking too good. Oh, yeah, so they said, oh, it looks good. The other game isn't... Well, be happy this game well, looks good. Well, the other game is out and it's behind us now, so let's focus yeah. on what we're about to you, get. If you're a Pokemon fan, you're fed a lot of shit to, to play with an experience. Like, you're not really dying for content as a Pokemon fan, you know? Um, so, yeah. Anyways, uh, different character this time around. Um, it looks like the old character, I think his name was Todd, might be... The, Todd? Might be the professor this time. Todd. Oh, so the kid is now the professor? I, I, maybe that's what I was. There's saying. actually they actually have like a t- time frame, like a Star Wars movies or prequels. <laughs> there, yeah, there's a time frame. <laughs> um, so, so, so that means the original the original guy with the cap, Ash, is he like ninety years old by now? Or Ash, 60? Is, Ash is not in um, Pokemon Snap. But I mean, if, if there's a timeline for this, is there a timeline for the regular Pokemon games? No, no. Ash is eternally. Like, I don't know. It's fifteen or the 15, fuck he is. Yeah, I think he. I think he got slightly older, but he certainly has not aged. He went up time. like three years and twenty yeah. years, <laughs> like the South Park kids. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so this looks to be about the same. Uh, the trailer was great. Uh, it's going to be a shame to not be able to go to Blockbuster and print out our stickers. So that oh. was one thing that you could do with the original game was you could save uh, pictures to a memory card and take it to a photo booth uh, at Blockbuster and they would print out those little photo stickers. Uh, every I, never, once, I never saw that someone do that even. Oh, really? No. We, every once in a while we see them, right. we see them on um, Pokemon Snap game cases. A lot of people, it seemed, went, got the stickers printed out, had no idea what to put them on, so they stuck them on top of their label. So a lot of times we get Pokemon Snap cartridges that have those little stickers oh, printed out. I want to find. Top. I want to find one of those machines. I, I know that one of the, the the one big reseller at English Town Flea Market had one inside in the inside section. Come across them and actually try to still see if if, if, if some are still usable. That'd be great to try. They are. They're, yeah, they are. I. I uh, there are people out there who who have them. I can't imagine how much they cost, but that would be a really cool thing. Nowadays, to I don't know. A crazy Pokemon fan would spend a ton of money on that, probably. So, anyways, I'm very excited about this. It comes no, out I in think April. Was... Um, people are wondering if it'll be worth the sixty bucks. I, I think it'll be worth sixty bucks. Are you gonna have fun playing it? 
Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you know, it's, it'll be, what, it's probably not gonna be like a 30-hour experience, but come on. No, the first game is really short. I would like it to have a bit more to do than the original game did, but I'm happy with a sequel that looks more or less the same as the original. Hey. I liked it. I want more of it. And with, and with Nintendo now in the mix here, they'll be like, all right, Pokemon Company, why don't we do a little free DLC down the line? Let people know there's like an extra stage or something happening, you know? I have a few, that, that there, there will be DLC support for this. Uh, Lucasfilm Games is officially back in name. Lucasfilm Games, the original sort of name for all the, you know, Lucasfilm properties, which was really like three. When you think about it, it was uh, Star Wars stuff, Indiana Jones, and I guess maybe Willow was was thrown in the mix, I think, a little bit, but that's about it. Uh, but uh, I might be missing one or two. But now the big news is that Star Wars games, they're, they're bringing back the name Lucasfilm Games, which became LucasArts in the early 90s. Star Wars games are no longer exclusive to EA. That's that's the big news. Going right. forward, it's going to be like how it was, uh, you know, back in the day in the '90s, where you know people brought the, brought the rights to the game and then they they put them here and there. And they did they did their own stuff, but they also farmed them out little things and not just have one company control it. So this is this is good news. And they announced an open world game that's uh, that Ubisoft announced an open world game. That they're going to be working on, which is funny because the big remember, remember all the the backlash started when they canceled the open world game that EA was doing, what a few years ago, three four years ago, where they they just canceled it out of nowhere. Yeah, and then there was uh, all the outrage, and then they were like, okay, no, 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 we are going to do a single player game, but it was it ended up being um, Jedi Fallen Order. Okay, the, basically Star Wars Dark Souls. Um, Star Wars Dark Souls. Is that, that that's what I mean. That's what the game is is like. Apparently, uh, I've never played it. So so. Disney, it was just Disney controlling this shit. Uh, Disney probably saw that and said, this is no bueno. So that, they probably, at the at time, was like, okay, we got to get this away from this EA. It doesn't make any sense to have one company control all the, all the game properties to everything we do. That's insane. That's insane to, to, to have that. There's, it's so much money uh, at stake. So, uh, yeah, it's a good idea. There was also the little teaser. They're doing an Indiana Jones uh, game, which is great because there has been an Indiana Jones game in quite a bit, I think. If you don't count like the Lego shit, which I don't, I think you could count the Lego stuff. But ah! even that, even that takes it pretty far back. That was 360, and then before that, I think if you want to just say a standard Lego entry or non-Lego entry, I think Xbox, PS2, let's see, Tuma Kings or something like. I that. I don't count the Facebook Indiana Jones Adventure World on here. Uh, before Lego, before Lego, or before the BlackBerry mobile phone one, the last one was Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings, which Staff is we. DS, PSP, PS2. So we're talking uh, over ten years ago. This is a game. This is an adventure game series that you can play out of these games every probably three, four years, and there'll be a, a market for it. You know, you don't have to go fifteen years between them. Yeah, not a lot of. Once you get past the nineties, uh, early two thousands, there's nothing. You had the Emperor's Tomb one, the Infernal Machine one. You know, on the N sixty four and on PC, and of course you had Fate of Atlantis, which everyone played that game at some point. You know, back in the early '90s, the point—that's the point-and-click, point-and-click one, one. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple. There was there was a Last Crusade point-and-click one too, wasn't there? There, there was, was a, a shitty, shitty computer NES one. Uh, I don't know if there was a point-and-click. And yet, oh, the Graphic Adventure. There was one. Yeah, I'm not familiar I was with say that. I played that one. Too. Can't be worse. No, it's very good. <laughs> it's very good. Okay, now I recognize the cover with him and Sean Connery. Okay, I I might actually own that somewhere. I don't know. I got I got to go through my my PC games. What I own. Okay. Oh, yeah, that, that, it's the same kind of graphic style mm-hmm. as Fate of Atlantis, kind of. Yeah, same sort of interface, too. Yeah, those are fun games. I'm not into, I'm not into the LucasArts uh, adventure games as much as the Sierra ones, but 
they're still fun to play. They're still fun. So my opinion on that has changed so much over over the years. So, like LucasArts one's better. Flips back and forth all the time. Growing up, I was definitely more of a Sierra fan than I like when I was younger. Then in high school, I got really into the LucasArts ones. Then in like the mid two thousands, I went back and replayed a bunch of them with FAQs, and I really liked the structure of the Sierra ones. But I think overall, the LucasArts ones are are certainly more fair. Okay. I, I, what I like about the LucasArts ones is that they don't have those uh, unwinnable scenario shit that happens. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they're more uh, fair. They, they, there's less there's less deaths and dead ends to be had in the LucasArts ones. But I also don't like a lot of... I don't know how many of these do. I never played through Day of the Tentacle. I played through Fate of Atlantis. I don't remember a thing about it, though. I love uh, that. I don't like the single environment puzzle shit. I think LucasArts games tend to lean on that a little bit too much. Where all the shit you get in this environment is used as this environment, and that's it, then you move on. Uh, and I don't like that as much. It's a little too simplistic. Uh, maybe looking back, that would be better when I was younger, but I, I prefer the Sierra. Get an object, you don't know what it's used for, then you use it later. It's just, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's just the, the way the narrative goes, I just like it a little bit better. But maybe there's some LucasArts games. I don't remember. I was going to um, say, Sam and Max doesn't follow that. It doesn't, but I remember Fate of Atlantis doing stuff like that more. I think that would make sense if you're finding the, the, the artifacts in your environment. Yeah. I can't remember Full Throttle, what the hell Full Throttle did. I fucking love Full Throttle. I love it, but I don't remember a thing about the game. I just, I borrowed it from my friend in high school, my, my bio partner in high school, who also gave me the Doom 2 uh, pirated version of Doom 2. Yeah. So anyway, so anyway, it's just good news. This is, I mean, it's good. You don't want all your IP under one gigantic company doing this shit you want you want different flavors you want different teams of talent working on shit. yeah i don't love ubisoft but it'll be nice to, to see what someone else will do with the property can we, can we have the can we have the open world game where you're not a fucking jedi can i just say put that in request can i just be a fucking traitor or a mercenary or have me choose that's why i never played the open the, the original uh, mmorpg uh, of Star Wars was everyone wanted to become a fucking Jedi and it ruined the game from what I hear. They made it easier to become a Jedi and everyone was a fucking Jedi running around. That's really realistic. Everyone's a fucking knight running around your town. <laughs> or, or uh, fuck off. Come on. Sorry. I'm getting too angry about this stuff. Uh, you want to talk about GameStop? The uh, Mad Money? Uh, yeah, I mean, what do you got to say on GameStop? Oh, what do I got to say? What do you got to say? You, you added the topic. Okay. So... So GameStop leaders, this is a Yahoo Finance article. You always go to Yahoo for your finance news. <laughs> <laughs> Yahoo hangs, yeah, you know, Yahoo's hanging in there. You, 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 I don't know, they've gone through so many changes and ups and downs. So GameStop had a record week of uh, on their stock. It, it like doubled in price over the past week from like 20 bucks to like 40 bucks, I guess. Um, and then the news is what the hell's going on? That that Chewy uh, co-founder Ryan Cohn, which we brought up a few months ago, was added to the board officially. So I thought that's what's happening. Uh, but it turns out that the, the the price the price could have been from people inside the company dumping their stock, and that helped raise the price because they're just they're, other people are buying it. I don't know. I'm not into this shit. Uh, but at least two company insiders sold more than $2.6 million worth of stock on January 13th. Because, yeah, this stuff has to be reported if it's a public company and you think you're part of the company. You have to report these stock sales. Right. Um, it was sold after the record gains. Okay, after the record gains. And so they basically, when this happens, they know the writing's on the wall that this is going to take a, a header yeah, at this some is, point. This is uh, kind of like the, the, the sure sign that it, it's the writing's on the wall. Things are going south and this is their last chance. This is the peak of GameStop, I will say. Like, mm -hmm. this was the peak. 
this is their last chance to get money out of those stocks. Yeah, that's what they're doing. I wish I knew more about this. But uh, who's driving the price up? Because the guy from Chewy is on the board now. Do you, do you see the environment? What's happening with physical and digital sales and a pandemic? Like none of this is gearing towards a good GameStop future. None of this. Yeah. This isn't happening naturally because GameStop suddenly found its fucking niche. They're more useless than they've ever been. Yes. So, I don't know. Beware, I guess. I don't know. Like, like I've, I've seen more and more stuff about investing. Like, I brought this up last week. about or the, more, the more months about younger people and, and investing and stocks and shit. And it's, you got to be careful. It's not a game, this stuff. I mean... I mean where the hell is Bitcoin at? That just took a a, 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 a tumble again. It's, and it's probably back up. It's nuts how much Bitcoin goes up and down. Um, see, it peaked. Now it's back down. It lost 5,000. Like, it's just insane. you got to be super careful. I feel like every other week someone's talking about a Bitcoin crash or every other week someone's talking about Bitcoin the making them rich. Yeah, like, that does not seem stable or normal or healthy. No, it's the exact opposite of stability. <laughs> That's why it's never going to be a currency. Because it, you need a currency not to wildly shift in value every day. You can't use that as a currency at that point. You might as well be trading loaves of bread to each other. I'm hungry. All right, is that it for the intro here? That's it for the intro. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. All right, Ian. Yeah. You know we care about uh, parenting a lot in the CU Podcast. We're we're one of the, the industry influencers when it comes to parenting and and raising children here. Uh, we parental influencers? Yes, we're parental influencers. So, the New York Times, via the Japan Times, had an, uh, an article come out that was, I guess, made the rounds on the 17th. Uh, children's screen time has soared in the pandemic, alarming parents and researchers. It's it's New York Times via the Japan Times. Did I reverse it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we're So Japan Times article. stole it from New York Times or reposted it? That's basically it? what it is. Okay. It's a New York Times article. This is just how we're reading it for free. Okay. Um, oh, okay. So it starts on the... Um, uh, it starts talking about the Reichert family in uh, Boulder, Colorado, and how their 14-year-old son has pretty much started devoting all of his time to playing Xbox. And they talk about how he used to be in sports and going outside and doing that sort of stuff. And, you know, they're concerned uh, because all he's been doing is playing Xbox. And it starts off rather dramatic um, with the father uh, yelling at his son, I failed you as a father, he told the boy despairingly. Is that true? Come on, Dad. Come on, John. Um, so they're they're worried because he's devoting nearly all of his leisure time about 40 hours a week to Xbox and his phone. Uh, during an argument they had, he pleaded with his father not to restrict access to his phone, calling his phone his whole life. And uh, that was the tipping point for his dad. His whole life, said Reichardt, a technical administrator in the local sheriff's office. I'm not losing my son to this. Okay, that's a little dramatic, and I also want uh, the dad to think back to when he was uh, a kid, uh, especially as a teenager. Um, well, lots- how, this guy's this guy's probably what mid to late forties. Yeah, he looks forty eight, fifty. I'll say yeah. he's fifty. Yeah, he's fifty. Um, lots of things were your life as as a kid. 
And it's a pandemic. Your child can't go out and do the things they used to do. So, yes, they're naturally going to be playing games more. And I I get this impression that parents, at least in this instance, they often feel like they need to do some sort of parenting even when there's nothing going on. If If this was not a pandemic time and he was going to school and things were normal, you would naturally, I think, be a little concerned if your kid was spending 40 hours a week on an Xbox. But what are they supposed to do during a pandemic, especially when socialization, and that's the thing I think escapes a lot of parents these days, um, we're getting to that point where I think we're we're almost to the point where we're no longer going to have parents who don't understand this stuff because we all grew up with it. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, sure. It's go- we- we're going to have a large understanding of this. But I don't think they understand just how much it is about the socialization and not just I, the gaming. It's about video games and not, not, not the cell phone stuff. Yes. It's two different things to me. Okay. Um, about being able to meet up with people, talk with people, um, you know, stay in touch with your friends. As far as the phones go, I think the phone is just, for a lot of teenagers, it's what... It is their whole life. It is. And unfortunately, it, which is a different conversation we can get into. Um, but it is what our laptops and our computers and our desktops were to us when we were teenagers as well. Ooh, I'm going to be old man pants say it's not close to the same thing. It's 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 It leans towards it, but you don't always have your laptop in your pocket everywhere you go. No, but I mean, as uh, a socially maladjusted kid, I was in front of my computer about as much as I'm in front of my phone. When you're at home. Sure. But then it ends, and then you go somewhere. Yeah, that's there's, not there's this a conversation. Sure. Well, let's stick to the games for now, though. Let's stick to the games. That's what I was. G- games, so. g- games is um is a means of socialization, especially when you communicate with friends. Hey, I'm playing this game. We're playing this game, uh, or not necessarily playing together, but this it's something to commiserate over. Because even growing up without online games, multiplayer games, you could talk to your friends. Hey, we played. I got stuck on that Ninja Gaiden boss. Or how do you you know? You, it was a way to communicate. It was a way. It was it was a, it was a hobby that you connected with. You would share. You would share the tips and things. You would sure. You would talk about, hey, I'm getting this game or this game. Oh, I rented this game this weekend. It was a way to connect with your friends. So that, so I don't think that should be lost here. Now, yes, you can game too much, but that's obviously the, the parent to uh, to parent. But yes, it is it is sort of trying times during a pandemic when it, you can't go out and exercise. Well, you can go out and exercise, but you can't meet up with your friends and play street tennis or play or play Nerf football or, or play uh, you know or. or you know, or play wiffle ball. It is tougher to do that. It is, even though I do see there are some little league things going on. I still, it's still in some areas happening stuff like that, playing baseball and things like that. Um, so I'm not a parent, but you can't just take the shit away from children like cold turkey. They'll go nuts, right? And um, I th- that's that's my main point or my my main thinking is, um, what do you want them? What are you trying to replace it with? In a pandemic, I think there needs to be. There needs to be a layer of understanding and uh, sympathy or empathy applied to most situations. Yes, you don't want your kid to game too much, but are they? Is it something that's keeping them occupied during a pandemic? Are they still socializing with their friends? Um, you know, look at the positives for it and realize maybe this isn't something I need to uh, clamp down on just to clamp down on. There's a, a great section in this article here. Um, a a mom, uh, Paris Gevy, 
Periskevi Brasuli. Uh, she says, oh, I just saw that article. Uh, that, uh, part of it, yeah. yeah she just says, so I take it away and then do what? A puzzle? Learn to sew? Knit? I don't, I don't know what the expectations are. You know, and she's raising four kids who are eight, six, three, and one with her husband in a two-better Manhattan apartment. Jesus. We're just trying to fill time here. So if you take away their games, it, it, exactly, what, are the, what do you expect them to do next? And yes, reading, variety is the spice of life. Reading, sure, learn a craft, but it all goes back to that socialization. They're not socializing when they're doing that. They're alone, they're isolated, they're cut off. Device time has replaced sports on weekday afternoons and sorts 70% on weekends, she said. So specific, 70%. I guess, oh, there's probably, there's probably apps that know how, how long a kid's on shit. That makes sense. That's the thing. With sports being gone, yeah. organized sports, that's that's rough uh, for children. Because that, um, that was, I had Little League um, in the spring. So that was, you know, two or three days a week of practicing games. But it, playing sports with the friends is what you did. You either played video games or, or you did a physical activity. That, that's, how, that's how you spent time with your friends. Yeah. Or even just rode the bike around. We rode it to... We went to the we'd go to like to the deli down the, you know half a half a half a town away to buy comic books like at least it was physical activity we went out we would sure. go to the woods and hang out we would do, we would do things and that is tougher if you can't do that um, yeah we we got a Nintendo Switch because everybody everybody got a Switch Bria Suli said some days she said she watched her son sit with three devices alternating play among them um. Yeah. The, 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 what's alarming is this, though, when it comes to what you, you talk about laptop, and I'll bring up the difference between that and phones, is that the phone is, is a constant. It can be a constant. And sure. that's the thing. You don't get a rest from it. And we're just now, even with adults, we're seeing how this sort of changes the way we respond to stimulus and, and our attention spans. And um, I see it with, you look at even adults, and this is be like old man Pat, adults in their early 20s, are different than how I was in my early 20s other people and how they interact uh, that, that I've seen. It's a different... For people that are always on their phones, I mean, in terms of like being on Instagram all the time, they they interact differently. They socialize a little bit differently from what I've seen. Sure. It's different. It's changed them. And that's... If you're a parent, you, can, you should be alarmed at that to a degree. I don't know what the answer is, though, especially during a pandemic. Besides, you know, like, like someone said, you shut off the Wi-Fi and take their phone away from them for a, a certain amount of day. Now, kids are supposed to be in school, though, so in some degree. So I think during a certain part of the day, it would be okay to say, hey, you're not going to be on your fucking cell phone between these hours. You're supposed to be doing your schoolwork. And I think that's fair as a parent. That's, my, that's fair. Don't be on, you won't be on your phone at school. Sure. So, yeah, you, you can't use your phone between whatever, between 9 a.m. and whatever, 2 in the afternoon. You have to do your schoolwork. We'll give you a break for lunch. Maybe you can use it for a half hour, and then you go back to doing your fucking work or whatever you're doing on a Zoom call for classes and homework. Yeah, no, I mean, that. if you're doing school at home, you know, I think it would, it, it makes sense for parents to treat it like the kid going to school, you know, and have some of the, the sim, similar rules. Um, no phone usage, no no texting, that sort of thing. Now, I am kind of, I am kind of discouraged by this one parent who, who sort of uh, facetiously says, what, learn to knit or a puzzle? Uh, kids can learn new activities. That's not a bad thing to learn. No, it's activity. not bad, but like I'm saying is that it brings uh, up the very real point that you have to replace it with something. You can't sure. just say no. You have to act as a parent and you have to actively help them hey, find something to replace it with during a pandemic. Get out the board game. Sure. 
that's a lot better for your mind because you're looking at rules and you're interacting, you're socializing with your parents or your siblings. Get out the fucking board game stack from the from the garage or flea market. Do that a couple times a week. Do are, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, do a couple family nights. Play cards. Play cards. Friends, family, friends, family, friends, family. family. Friends. Um, There's things you can do. But yeah, that the that family, the Breitart family, that starts with. I just feel like they're. I feel bad if you're in a two bedroom Manhattan apartment. There's, you, there's no backyard. Family. Talking oh. about a different family now. Okay. Um, the Reichart family, though, in closing, they they say some things that make me feel like they just don't understand things, and they look at video games as 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 nonsense that has no value. Um, the family dog died on New Year's Eve, and James said that playing games with his friends helped him to not think about the loss. This concerned his mother, Kathleen Reichart, who felt that her son was escaping the emotions of real life. Fuck you. That's yeah, that's that's understanding. Kids need an escape. Yeah, kids need an escape. What, what and is adults? He, what is he supposed to do? Just fucking stare at and the cry. dog's empty cage and cry for three days yeah, straight until not... you've decided he's he's fucking shown that he's 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 been emotional enough. And then it ends with with uh, this one. Uh, the mom also says, "What what are you going to do when you're married and stressed? Tell your wife that you need to play Xbox. You know what? There are lots of healthy adult relationships where that is a hobby that people use to blow off steam. Like it, it's it's it, this is just it, it's it's." Very frustrating, the, well, especially maybe, these two people. Well, they were perfect for the article. That's why they... How do they find these people? Who are these people? Like, how do they find them? Like, they find the the two, not boomers, but, you know, older Gen X uh, here that are out of touch when it comes to video games at all, because they, they must have played a video game at some point, unless they're on the cusp, unless they're, like, in their mid-50s here. They're at least 50, it looks like. Yeah. So they grew... They had to have grown up with some video games in the 80s. It must have had something. But there were kids in the 80s that didn't play video games. They thought it was a nerdy thing. Maybe they didn't. You know? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. As time goes on, it'll we'll, we'll have fewer and fewer adults that are out of touch with, you know, gaming and how it can be, you know, a healthy adult hobby. Um, but we've, we're still about a decade away from that, I think. There's definitely adults like these age. You're right. They yeah. probably thought it was nerdy in the 80s and avoided it and never I, touched it. I don't know. How, but that to me is different than the cell phone thing. I don't know how. I don't know how. Once you introduce this to children when they're four years old, how you expect them to get rid of this? I mean, there's a movement now to, to basically they, they sell cell phones now with no smart technology anymore. They sell cell phones for adults that literally is time and making phone calls. Yeah, I've seen. And that. that's it. Because mm-hmm. people want to try to get back to how it was before that, and I totally get that. I totally understand it. Because we're the generation where we were kids and teens before cell phones, and then we saw it afterwards. So we were the last generation to grow up without these. And I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. I, it's funny to see how technology was like. Let's add all these features as fast as we can, and then we have gotten to a point where now there's an appeal to getting something with less features. Yeah. We've got the phones that do less. I've seen those phones before too that literally just have like a phone book um, and, like you said, a, a clock and an alarm. I'm not on sure it. they even message. Uh, most, they of them, most of them do. Most of them have the functions of like a flip phone from back in the early 2000s: texting, yeah, um, time, phone calls, no internet, um, and then like a. For instance, a Kindle. I have a Kindle Paperwhite. I bought a secondhand one like a couple of years ago, but I specifically bought it because, you know, e-readers came out and then they just started throwing internet and games and color screens on until they're indistinguishable from, from any other tablet. Just buy a tablet. And yeah. I, at that point, it's the same reason I want an e-reader. I, you want just one I, thing. I want one thing yeah. because if there's all those other options on there, I'm going to be distracted. Just let I, me read. Yeah, I don't know. They're, I mean, like I said, the research is still new, but they de- I mean, there's there's actually there was one I I DVR'd one way back before I changed cable uh, systems that 
re- neuroscience research about, wow, th- how is this wiring people's brains with constant stimulus? And that's how they design all these apps and games. So you're, you're constantly... It's like going in a casino. The dings and the sounds, and they keep you addicted to it. Yeah, you load up those those. Uh, I've, I've bitched about them on here before, but if you load up those Yahtzee apps or those Scrabble oh. apps, they look indistinguishable from the programs and things that are running in casinos. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a parent yet. If I am, though, I don't know how you keep the cell phones and the tablets away from children. I just don't, uh, or at least limit limit the amount of time they're on them before their brains get fucking rewired and now they're addicted to it. I don't know. It's, it's a scary thing to think about. But you have to have physical activity. You have to have other things to stimulate their mind. Give them the fucking old Radio Shack science lab kit to play with. You know, and we work on that together. <laughs> Remember those things? Yeah. I always saw those in the, in the catalog. Didn't know what the hell they were. What do you make sounds and stuff and do things? Like they look, there was like five different models for sale from mm-hmm. 10 to $60. Thank you, Radio Shack, for always having tiered pricing of, of gifts and, and toys. You always had the cheap shitty rc car yeah, always the did. medium there's and always, the high yeah there's always like the cheap medium and they expensive. knew their they knew their their classes of people there that, that, god damn it radio shack please stick around god they were they're better than i thought the more i think about radio shack sorry we're talking about yeah so um if you're a parent you can't take video games away from kids you can't but you do have to especially not now no but you do have to you know have the kids do different activities not not necessarily like the knit do something else that stimulates their fucking brain. But, but it wouldn't help to read a book, though. It, would, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't help. It wouldn't hurt to, to read a book now and then. I read lots of books when I was a kid. I read, the, I read the Hardy Boys. I read the Hardy Boys. I read other little adventure books. You know, Choose Your Own Adventures were great. I read a lot of Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew when I was younger. read both of them. All right, Ian. Yeah. We're talking about some limited run. Our pals at Limited Run. Mm-hmm. Which we haven't spoken about some of the releases in a bit. I mean, you can't keep track of their releases anymore. This, this, uh, this, uh, n- not even a startup company anymore. So they've been around now for like what four and a half years at this point, maybe five years. No longer five years. They did the five year anniversary. No longer the scrappy upstarts. They're not, they're, no, they're, 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 they're yeah, they're, they're they're doing okay. So uh, they just did their Scott Pilgrim uh, re release pre order campaign, which is already the most successful release they've had. Uh, in terms of the pre-order, it was over, over 45,000 45, pre-orders. So I thought it was, I think looking at the actual numbers, it was something like they said 45,000 for the Switch and then I think 15,000 for the PlayStation 4 or something like that. I think that was the second most popular um, system that they'd seen the pre-orders on. I'm not surprised that the Switch uh, had such a high amount. I don't know why, but it seems like... Um, seems like people who pay attention to limited run stuff and buy a lot of stuff from limited run usually go with the Switch versions of games. Uh, they did a regular edition, a medium edition, and a super fancy edition. Super fa- Is that what it's really called? The super no, fancy? that's just what I'm calling it. Um, but yeah, the I, I, I forgot the game was actually coming out digitally so soon. It's already out. But they're doing a six-week open pre-order for this Um let me just say this. How fun is it going to be that the majority will still get this digitally when the first time it came out digitally is why we're in the situation now? I just think it's funny. It's, well, I mean, there it's, was I, no physical option at all. But I mean, like, but, but, sure. but people will then buy it again digitally, potentially, and then face the same potential 10 years if they turn, turn the servers off again and it'd be but people are impatient yeah. you know I yeah. mean if, if, it's, I if they're doing a six week open pre-order plus I'm not 13, saying it's wrong no I'm just saying we're probably it's not going to get it until the summer if it's people like want to play it now that's, that's, rain on a wedding day is not ironic by the way that's a bad that's bad luck Alina sorry go on yeah it's just bad luck <laughs> excuse me 
So I, I get it. Um, but there's going to be no excuse, I don't think, for anyone who wants a copy of this to not get a copy of this with a six-week open pre-order. Yeah, until February 28th. I know a lot of people wanted this to get a um, just an actual release release, but I have a feeling with the amount of people who are pre-ordering this, we're still going to end up with a ton of physical copies out in the marketplace. Oh, it's the, it's the uh, KO edition. Ah. Is that the big one? It comes in like in a, a little. It has a little case that opens like with a little tri- figurines, yeah. uh-huh. like a music box almost. What the fuck? This is nuts. Yeah, it opens into get. like a diorama. Yeah, wow. It's one hundred and forty bucks. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, so it's cool to see uh, this working well for them. This is probably the biggest release. Uh, probably the release that I think everyone was most excited for. Um, the release that so many people didn't think was actually going to ever happen. So yeah, uh, it's a thirty-five dollar version. $55 version in the middle for the different consoles, what, PS4 and Switch, and then the, the gigantic fucking one. The the, the fan bundle is sold out at a, at, at a four, there's a $400 bundle where you get pins, sweatshirt, t-shirts, there's so much, the Switch case, so that's sold out already. Holy shit. Wow. That's nuts. Ramona Flowers keychain, Scott Pilgrim keychain. You get the game complete edition, trading card set, t-shirt, zip hoodie, soundtrack bundle, vinyl and t-shirt. So you get the whole, you must really love Scott Pilgrim because you get everything. Oh, that's actually the other cool thing that I, I, uh, it's nice that you mentioned it. Um, A very cool thing they're doing with this. So the Scott Pilgrim uh, game soundtrack was done by Anamanaguchi, famous band that uses uh, a lot of like chiptune sounds in their music. Um, they did the original soundtrack, and it only got a vinyl, a limited vinyl pressing for Record Store Day in I don't even know when. Um, I remember getting it for Vani though. I, I went out to Record Store Day, I found it, and I got it, and that record was going for I think 150 to 200 bucks. So this is a good last time I saw. So this release. is really cool that they're doing it. Um, it's yeah, the soundtrack is getting a repress as well, um, and I'll likely order a version of that so that Vani can keep her. You know her original one, you know, in nice condition, and oh, the, nice. This will be a listening one. Uh, that's thirty five bucks. And that's, that's the thing. Everything in the bundles you can buy separately. That yes. gigantic bundle, and you're probably just getting a discount. You can still buy everything separately. There's a lot of stuff to buy on this page. I mean, holy crap! Trading card packs. Oh my god, it's nuts. It's nuts. But hey, if you like, if you like it, you know, you can get it, or you just buy the thirty five dollars Switch version, and you, you know, the bare bones Switch game, and you're good to go. So. So that's all. I'm happy that they got this. It's almost like one of the main reasons for them to exist. It comes back five years after they started. Like this is what the big, the big game everyone wanted, right? Forever. It's just fun. Yeah, fun this is the the like poster child poster game child. for physical releases. Yeah. Is 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 something that they're. This now is the danger of, of digital releases. Is it a game that everyone liked and was, a, a, I guess, a cult hit, and now you can't get any more. Now it's back several years later. So there you go. So that's that's fantastic news there. But the other news, Ian, from Limited Run, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay, is that they're coming back with uh, Night Trap, but they're doing an actual Sega CD re-release of Night Trap and and 32x Sega, well Sega CD 32x, where you plug it in and use both at the same time and get the extra fucking memory or whatever. So uh, this is on the heels of their Monkey Island Sega CD re-release and the Rebel Assault one. And this goes back to them originally. 
perfecting the replacement cases, which they did, I think, at this point, three years ago, doing the cases. This was all potentially leading up to this where they could start doing re-releases using the Sega CD case, but now we're getting actual Sega CD re-releases, which is cool. So they're doing Night Trap. The, the, first, the Night Trap physical release they did um, sold out so quickly. What was that? Two, was that two years ago? The Night Trap release? The Limited Run, done, limited run did, did? So now this is not even on sale yet. Um, this is going to be an interesting case study to me to see how well a game does for a system, a 25-year-old system. There's other ways to play it, including this company putting out a version to play it on physical form. Now we're going to sell you the original media for it again, basically as a collector's piece, because I cannot imagine even 10% of the people buying this are going to throw it in a Sega CD and play it. So it's going to be a really interesting case study here. And I guess we'll see how, how it goes here. But it's, it's nice to see them uh, doing these sort of re-releases. It's nice. Yeah. I, I, I'm, uh, I, the, these, I like what they do with um, physical media, but I think one of the things that I've really enjoyed seeing over the past few years that they now do as well um, is the official re-releases of old software on its original like you said on its original media they've done um the star wars games they did the game boy uh they did the nes, N60, uh, NES and they did the N64. N64 they games skipped the well. super nintendo one which wasn't their fault from what i hear which was the one that would sell like games sadly because i love all three of yeah, those. those games are great um hard but but fun um so i really enjoy seeing this retro bit has always done really good jobs with um with that sort of release and now limited run is doing a really good job with it and they're doing scat uh for the nes now too and that's too title yeah yep oh it looks like they're also doing uh a sega cd one for ground zero it's going to be in the future oh okay that's another one of those fmv games i never yeah. played it but i know of it so they got they got the night trap premium edition uh which is Night Trap for both Sega CD and Sega CD 32X on four discs, so you get both disc versions, which, remember, it, it did come out on 32X, so I have it sealed somewhere over there somehow for that. You get the box with it, you get the original soundtrack on Physical CD, okay, you get a reversible poster, you get a metal coin and enamel pin, and you get the Night Trap uh, Night Trap re-edited as a movie. So they took all the cutscenes and probably hopefully got the original uh, transfers or something closer to that and put on a Blu-ray for you. So you can just watch it all the way through you just watch it through. play the game if you'd like. <laughs> That's a cool idea. It's a nice little bonus to do that. I like FMV games, but Night Trap is kind of difficult. It's not my favorite of them. So, yeah, watching it might be more fun than playing it. I did sure. play the limited run uh, release on PS4, though, when it came out. I, I did play it for a few nights. So, otherwise, you, they're $40 each for the uh, Sega CD 32X or the regular Sega CD version. And the cases. Um, you're not getting a cardboard case. You're getting both of the long box Sega CD cases, for, even for the 32X, because that's a cardboard. Yeah, on the 32X. Um, so it's 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 an extreme. Like I said, it's going to do well for some collectors will buy automatically. I I just I'm just I'm really curious to see what what how well this does. Yeah, I mean they're going to make money, but I I don't know if this is going to be as, as will this sell as well as a version that people actually got that they could play immediately. Right, because they sold out of that night trap. Uh, so quickly um so yeah it's interesting especially a game that uh well this has a collector side because it's like well it was a you know the notorious sort of game at the time but um yeah i, I I'm, I'm i'm seriously sort of flummoxed about about the direction this, this is gonna go who the like, like seriously what it, it, will even two percent of people buy this actually throw it on a sega city and play it i don't know 
Yeah, we, we, I think I think you've been satisfied with if if you had a Sega CD, you probably have a Night Trap laying around. You know, you could buy one from that. Remember that store that had two hundred of them that found them in Arizona. Uh-huh. We talked about that somehow got them in of the original ones with the red case. Yeah, I remember that. So anyway, are you interested in something like this, or maybe another Sega CD release that they can they can do? What about some of those like working designs? Uh, I was going to say, games? I'm looking at them on the shelf. Working designs would be where I'd I'd suddenly be interested. Uh oh, Popful Mail, something like that. Oh, we're, we're giving them ideas if they can do the license. Why not? And then they can probably do like a physical, you know, real Switch release as well. They can work it in if they wanted to. All right. Yeah. All right. Is that is that our is that our semi ad for running? <laughs> we done for it. Yeah, that's our show segment. We don't. Well, if we're if we're showing, we're we're doing a bad job because we're not we're not getting paid. So <laughs> we're, we're doing an awful job. All right. Um, Ian, we have a Patreon, don't we? We do. You go to patreon.com slash CU podcast, and what can you access there for a little bit of your valuable cheddar? For quarters? For quarters. Don't put the quarters in your computer. Uh, You can get uh, the full video podcast in 16.9 full video podcast uh i do writings uh we're gonna we're gonna post one today we're gonna write about D after we finish uh recording this uh we do weekly hangouts my hangout will be this week oh. weekly monthly hangouts we do oh, monthly we, hangouts hey. my hangout will we get, be we this get, week we get that tier if you want it want it weekly sunday at 10 i will be doing my hangout this week and we also have poll topics that yes. you can vote in for us to discuss this week we have two in second place at twenty four percent. Will popular pandemic games like Among Us, Phasmophobia, Fall Guys, etc., have staying power? I wrote it stating power by accident. Stating power, yes, they can state it. And in first place at seventy six percent, does modern does buying modern physical games matter anymore? On, on the on the heels of our limited run Scott Pilgrim topic, it <laughs> sort of makes sense. So limited run by physical, except for uh, honestly, I so, <laughs> I don't. This is kind. This is a great question for me because I I've been kind of talking about this for a, a few years. Buy physical if you want physical, um, but don't buy physical necessarily if you think you're going to be preserving anything or avoiding a future where the future you won't be able to play a game anymore um modern games are so full of updates and patches after they come out update that what you have on the cartridge is you know a cartridge or a disc is oftentimes going to be an incredibly buggy and unplayable mess or in some instances it's just not going to i mean be be playable whatsoever um, yeah, this is especially tr- thinking of certain examples. I remember buying uh, Doom on the PlayStation Four, um, and popping it in, and immediately having I think it was like a thirty-five gig down patch that needed to download. Um, patch. I'm not <laughs> right. You know how much of the game is it replacing? I'm sure I could have run it without downloading the patch, but it would have been full of bugs. More to the point, Doom on the same Doom for Switch, you can buy a physical copy of it, but I learned real quick that uh, 
a lot of these games that, especially ones that are on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and get ported over, um, when you buy it physically, you, it's literally just so you can have a trinket to hold in your hand and say, look, I have a physical copy of this. Sure. You need to have a certain amount of space. It only has part of the game on the cartridge. It downloads the other part of the game once you pop the cartridge in. So it's not even really, truly a fully functioning game on the cartridge. It's literally just so you can say, I bought it physical. Yeah. And it's fun if you want to have stuff on your shelf. Like, it, I, I understand wanting to have collections. And I, it's something you can resell. Yes, so. you can resell it. Um, I have, you know, largely transferred over to digital games on systems like the PlayStation 4, but I still buy a solid amount of my games as physical releases on the Switch. I like to collect some physical games. I like to have physical games for my portables. Um, like Pat says, you can always resell your physical stuff uh, after the fact, uh, which is nice. But there are certainly releases on that system that I've avoided because I realized having a physical release wouldn't matter. The uh, Bayonetta 2 pack the Bayonetta 1 and 2 package for the Switch. I think it's just Bayonetta 2 is on the cartridge. You have to download Bayonetta 1 and you have to use a code to do it. So when you resell that, you're only buying half the package again. Ugh. At that point, I, I don't weird. want the physical copy. What, what What's the benefit of the physical copy other than it's, it's taking up space? It's a trinket. Right, it's a trinket. They did that with Bayonetta. They did that with um, one of the Mega Man collections. I think it was the Mega Man X collection, where only half of it is on the cartridge, uh, and the other half you have to download. Um, so, obviously, if people like buying physical goods for the resellability, you can. But I just don't want people to think that they're necessarily avoiding a Scott Pilgrim-type future by buying something physically now. There's, there's no... Uh, Unless, like this Scott Pilgrim re-release, it's all on that physical media. You you don't need a fucking server to be on to play it. Yeah, that's and, it. And so that's uh, where I that would be my final statement on it is look at it on a game by game basis. Yeah, something like Scott Pilgrim. A lot of these releases that Limited Run does these games that have been out for a while, uh, they usually you know come out months to a couple of years depending uh, on the time frame. Uh, after the original release comes out, they they get a window to receive major updates and patches before they put them on cartridge. Yeah. So that what you get from a limited run release, and a lot of other companies do this too, is going to be as close as possible to a, a final build. Um, it's like the it's like the, the stuff they used to do in the in the '90s for like once you know like a Warcraft thing. Where it's like oh, we do the separate DLC now. We'll do like the the, the gold. The, the edition has everything in there, so you're set. It's that version of that, but now for DLC that this is it. We're not doing any more new shit for this game. This is it. And this is the version, that, the ultimate edition. So Scott yeah. Pilgrim came out yeah. ages ago, years ago, uh, was released on, you know, the last generation of systems. Um, it got its bug updates. People played through it. It was tested. Things were patched. DLC was released. Now they can gather all of that together into one bundle and release it. And you don't really have to worry about it. Yes, you can pop that cartridge in today or 10 years from now and still play it and everything is going to be fine. Because it's installed and run on that physical media. There's nothing, no server to connect to. Right. That's what it comes down to. It, will you need a server to connect to? Yes or no? That's the question you have to ask yourself when you when you play this game. Is there a server you have to connect to in any way to validate it or to download shit, to install it? Yes or no? And, and, that, and, and that's going to be hard to know. Most most regular people won't realize that. Oh, I, you have to connect just to 
you know, make an account that you need to play a, a part of the game. Or maybe some games will be single player will be fine, but multiplayer will be gone. Or or this part of the game will be gone. So it's going to get really, really more and more dicey as we go when it comes to this stuff, unless they have allowances for servers you can connect to privately that can run this shit, which that's still a weird issue that they're trying to work out. You know. And depending on the game, a lot of these games are... Nintendo has... Two, I've got two examples from Nintendo where these releases come out and the game at the end is wildly different looking than the game that was released. Not only just in terms of bugs uh, and patches and things like that, but in terms of free content updates. Yeah. Um, look at something like Animal Crossing, which... And I think they you know, partially did this so people couldn't you know, mine the data and find everything that was in there. But what was actually on the Animal Crossing cartridge is a shell of what is actually available to do in Animal sure. Crossing now. They sense. released new updates with every holiday that you had to download that would you know, bring the holiday activities into that the game sense. so that people couldn't you know, get the game on day one and be like, this is everything you can do in it. Um, something like Mario Tennis. I have a physical copy of Mario Tennis. Uh, that game has been balanced to Helen back. Um, so not not only would will the characters actually play different on the cartridge if I were to just take that cartridge, throw it into another Switch, and load it up without doing an update, not only would it play horribly different, it would have um, half as many characters because they released, I think it was something like 12 free playable characters for that game over the course of a year. Wow. So if you're used to playing it now on your Switch and then say... Armageddon hits, the networks go down, nothing, you, you lose your Switch, but you find a new Switch, and you go and you pop your copy of Mario Tennis. I'm, I'm picturing Ian in the Twilight Zone episode, where he's, he, he gets yeah. caught caught in a bank vault, playing his Switch, and the rest of the world dies. Yeah, and all of a sudden, you're, a you're looking at a game that has <laughs> half as much stuff. It's just, so they're not even, even if they are going to be playable, there's a lot of games that aren't going to resemble the game that everyone remembers, once you strip away all the additions and things that had to be downloaded and added. So, pick and choose. And I, like I said, I get it if you want to buy physical media, but a lot of it is just... It, it, it's, it's, it's just fucking psychology. It's, it, it soothes your brain. Yes, you, you own this now. You don't fucking own it. You, well, you own, remember, it's a license. You're buying a license. It's a license to play the game. They don't care how you play that game, whether it's on the physical media itself, like back in the NES game, or it's a license to connect to a server to download it. And you're also buying and reselling the license to that. That's what, what it legally it is it's not you don't own the content of the game it's a license to play that game in some form but then when that runs out then the legality thing comes in though too I wonder, that might be a court that might be a court case eventually i think for something like that i bought the license to play this game does that mean the company is supposed to enable you to play that game forever or is there a certain time limit is there a statute of limitations How, what does that agreement look like should there be a uh, you know a time limit or, or we, tr- we shut the servers off three years later and then you're fucked like what is what is you know That'd be funny that made it to the Supreme Court. You have justice be like, what? What is it? What's going on with this video? <laughs> but but seriously, those are questions that are becoming more and more common. Or we don't care and just rebuy the same game generation after generation, which is kind of what, what's been happening anyway uh, when it comes to some of these. It's like, who cares? But that's not... Then, you're, then your license runs out to play that game, and that should be up front. You're basically getting a lease that runs out on that game license, if that makes sense. So... It comes down to buyer beware. Know what you're buying. If you're buying something like Limited Run, that's a new game. You're probably safe. You can play that game forever in that form. But obviously not. I mean, God, if you buy a PS5 game at this point, what are you actually buying? What are you buying on that disc? What are you actually buying? A connection to a server. That's what you're buying. 
Yeah, a key check that you're says, banging, okay, download the rest of the game to the system. Like like early 2000s PC games, you're, you're literally, yeah, you're getting a CD, but you're buying really little serial to input to install it. Yeah, the, the paper is what's important. Yeah, that's what, that's what it is. Well, that's kind of depressing. Yeah. Support for the CU Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Big news. Manscaped has just released their new cologne scent to help you feel good and smell good all over. Yeah, don't be a stinky, Sam. Everyone knows Manscaped has the perfect package 3.0 for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. But they didn't stop there. Complete your grooming game with the new refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. With the same signature scent that all Manscaped formulas contain, this cologne is a perfect complement to the collection. Light, approachable, and gentlemanly in all the right ways. Think of it as your wingman for the night to keep you fresh and ready for anything. It tops you off. You want to hang out with with a special someone, or, or if you want to, you know, feel good about yourself, you get a little spritz, a little spritz, and you're good to go. Be sure to check out the Perfect Package 3.0 with all the essentials for your below the waist grooming needs, including the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer and various crop formulations, including ball toner and deodorant. All right, you can get a special offer now: twenty percent off and free shipping. With the code CU Podcast at manscaped.com. That's 20% off at manscaped.com with code CU Podcast. Get going, smell good, look good, and feel good with Manscaped. All right, Ian, do you want to do a QA or, or do the, the voice? Let's let's uh do hold off school? on voice. Let's let's do an old school QA today. Okay, old school QA. QA time on the CU Podcast. This is from at Nerd Channel, Nerd Chan. Uh Ian. Are older games, this is simply to you, are older games such as NES, SNES, going to lose value over time like the Atari? Also, great job on the Christmas episode, Pat. Well, thank you. So, yes, they they will. Um, I don't think anything, very few items in any collectible market are going to be worth... um, what they are going to be worth the same amount of money over a long period of time. Uh, as people get older and people who grew up with something die off or get out of hobbies, um, there is not a one-to-one ratio of replacements of people who are just getting into this hobby to find it interesting. So mm-hmm. the value is going to fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat and I talk about it all the time, but it's uh, we've mentioned it a few times on here, but it's one that Vani brings up too because she's seen it uh, working in the comic shop, they deal with a lot of collectibles too. Um, a great example is Elvis stuff. Elvis stuff used to be highly collectible, sought after. There used to be lots of Elvis statues, Elvis plates, Elvis, I'm sure, muffin tins and things like that. Um, I'll look that up, Elvis muffin tin. Give it a, give it a look-see. But as that becomes less as Elvis becomes less and less relevant to modern day audiences. These people suddenly found themselves with lots of stuff that they could no longer sell stuff that might've been worth a lot of money uh, to other Elvis collectors when they got into it. Um, It's It's boomer shit. I really like model trains and I've had a lot of people who are into model trains tell me, well, you know, we're having a tough time finding that new generation of the hobby they were like you know they, they've they've always told me and I, I just don't have the space for it but they're like come out to every year they do they do like two flea markets every year like one of the local model train clubs and he's like you should just see he's like the quality of stuff that gets let go for nothing yeah 
And I mean, it, and I felt bad because this is an old guy. Like it's probably like World White War II hair. era shit. He's like white hair, old guy, but he's like really nice because I'm like I'm talking with him and I I know some of the lingo yeah. for you know model trains and I'm, we're talking A train H tra- uh, what is it H A scale H scale O scale I know that stuff. So we started talking about that and he was like he was really like trying to get me to go because he's like he's like they don't give it away. He's like but you can get a lot of great stuff for like very little money at you yeah. know these little swap meets we do every year. Sure and. Um, so it's the same. It's the same thing with 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 console games. Yeah, I don't think Nintendo and Super Nintendo games will ever drop as low as Atari specifically, and the reason being is I think it's easier to enjoy a Nintendo or Super Nintendo game without having nostalgia attached to it um, than it is an Atari game. A lot of those Atari games are very crude, rudimentary, very rough get graphics. Um, you know, simple simple control schemes, and while there are some fun ones, I like. Almost all of the Activision Atari stuff to me is still playable in short bursts. I like a lot of it. Um, something like Mario Three is going to be more naturally appealing to someone, I think, than I don't know a game of Haunted House. Zelda is going to hold more appeal over time than Adventure. But we are already starting to well, we were starting to see the decline in NES prices last year, and that got a freeze when COVID. Hit. They got a boost because of COVID. People were yes, spending money on this shit again. I'm looking at price charting real quick. So they jump back up again a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a lot. Like some of these games went double. Like Super Mario Brothers three, December 2019 on price charting was eight bucks. It went up to twenty bucks in November of 2020. Wow, it, it, it doubled over Pro- a year. Probably a little Christmas bump there. Too. A little Christmas bump, but it was still up to like we'll just say in the middle of the year it was like fifteen bucks. No, I believe you. Um, so, so it went up fifty percent. Pat math. Had COVID not hit, though, it would be I, I would it would have stayed the same. It would or been, yeah, it would have stayed the same, or it would have it would have dropped. So we're already kind of yeah. there. But I, like I said, I do think that people see them as having perhaps a little bit more inherent value. Um, so I don't think they will I, go quite as dirt cheap as Atari games. I think you're giving okay. I think you're right in some aspect, but you're also giving, I think the the younger generation a little more much credit. That I think they not that they deserve, but that they, they don't care about even the NES stuff, or even to some extent the Super Nintendo as much as we do. Even though the NES games are still very playable, they're it's not like playing Pitfall when you play Super Mario Brothers. That's even too primitive for someone who's like twenty years sure, old. Sure, and we've talked about yeah. that before on here because people complain about like the NES games that get dropped on the eShop. Yes, as where I want to strangle them as opposed to the yeah. Super Nintendo games. So no, I agree. I just think it will take. But even the Super Nintendo, they're like, "Well, I want GameCube games." Super Nintendo's not is too primitive. I just yeah. think it will take longer for the prices to yes. to get lower, and the bottom the bottom will be higher than the the bottom was for Atari. I think the I think the cheapest Nintendo games will go I think Nintendo games will hold some value higher than Atari games. I'm trying to find this article that I was going to bring up because it was like a stupid like it was like the top the top 10 Nintendo systems of all time. Like it, 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 all the major ones besides Virtual Boy like it ranked all the ones and it put fuck it put like the the top three, anyone will probably agree at this point would be in any order you want: NES, Super Nintendo, and Switch. Are probably the top three NES cons, uh, uh, Nintendo consoles. We all things considered, popularity, first party games. That's a Wii. You know. mm. But I, I mean, if you want to look at quality, I agree. If you look at popularity, you can't deny that the Wii was just insanely popular. But if, if but for, wanna... I'm talking everything together. Sure. So, but the whole point is this: <laughs> this, this this kid that wrote this article, how to be a kid, put the NES fifth on this list. Fifth, 
and the superintendent was around in the middle of the pack as well. And his reasoning, I wish I could find the fucking article because the person added me, and it was like I was, I was going to bring it up, but not make sense. He said, like, well, these games are super primitive, and, like, games like Metroid are so primitive because Prime comes out and you don't play Metroid anymore. So it was the same sort of weird thinking about, well, these were nice at the time, but who cares? So I'm telling you, the younger kids may not give a shit about even the NES games or maybe even Super Nintendo games. No, I, going I agree. Forward. It was, it was, I didn't want to talk about the article because it was so bad, Ian. It put the GameCube number one uh, out of all of that. It's like, people like the GameCube. And in the, in the GameCube list of games... He listed all these third-party games that are on the system that were on other systems, too. So it's like you, your argument is moot at that point if it's like, well, this is why the GameCube's good. It had Resident Evil something on it. It's like, what? Because it had Resident Evil 4 on it or whatever? You're gonna, that's not a reason to like the GameCube. Anyway, it was infuriating. And now I wish I had it down. Oh, I found it. I found it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paste it right now. It's a Screen Rant article. So you go read. We're going to go over this NES one real quick. Where is it? I'll paste it right here. There, just pasted it in. Right, pasted it in right there. All, all the, all the Nintendo consoles ranked. This is, this is changing the conversation. All Nintendo home consoles ranked worst to best, and Virtual Boy's not in here, and it's, it's no handhelds. Uh, number seven, uh, Nintendo Wii U. You don't have a big disagreement with there. Wii U was a, a spectacular failure with yeah. very, very few reasons. Uh, n- number six, Nintendo Wii. I would not disagree with that. Number five, the NES. <clears throat> and then it goes into. Uh, a, a rough, he called these NES games rough drafts of the classic Nintendo series that haven't aged well. Afangul to you. Uh, number four, Nintendo 64. They put the 64 in front of the NES, this person. Uh, Switch, number three. Number two, the Super Nintendo. And number one, Nintendo GameCube. Number one, Nintendo GameCube. It's just nuts. Yeah, he included Resident Evil 4 as an outstanding single-player experience. That wasn't an exclusive game, by the way. And, the, and that wasn't the best version. It was supposed <laughs> to be an exclusive game, but it wasn't. Um, then he then he lists some some of the other first party stuff. So anyway, so so this shows you the mind of someone who's probably a lot younger than us writing this article that disrespects the NES and puts it near the bottom of the fucking pack when it and puts the N sixty four above the NES when it comes to overall importance. That's insane. It's a little wild. It's just wild stuff. A little wild. So anyway, so what was I getting back to? <clears throat> the price of Nintendo and Super Nintendo. Games. So they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna drop off again after yes. all this. Nintendo, Ian's waiting for all of them to come through the door again. The people that bought this stuff the past year to come right back through the door, the revolving door. We kind of need it. We could use some fucking stock right now. Look around here, Ian. Pick some off the shelf. Give, <laughs> give you some credit later. Start picking up random games here. Um, so yeah, it's gonna happen. It's just the time limit. We go back to Model Trains is a big one. Elvis Collectibles is a huge one. They're all, this is boomer stuff. Once you get to boomer age, once you get to like your late 50s, your 60s, your 70s, you don't care about holding on to this crap anymore. It goes back out into the wild. Right. It, it goes, or, to your, or you die, and your kids get this shit, and it's like, I don't want this shit. I don't like Elvis. I don't like model trains. Uh, if, my, if my father has some of his model train stuff from when he was a kid still, from the 50s, he has that stuff. If I get that stuff, I'm going to look at it and be like, I either put this on my shelf, I set it up once and play it at Christmas... You know, or, or, or set it up. What am I going to do with this shit? Try to put it on eBay and see if anyone buys this shit? What are you going to do? There's, yeah, I mean, there's... even in the realm of video games, we've seen, you know, large collectors and, 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 and influential figures pass away, and their collection gets sold. They don't have someone... I mean, 
it, it, it's not staying within the family. It's not being passed down from one generation to the next. Um, people lose interest. But when it's sold, you're not necessarily you might necessarily get it all at retail cost because it's so much stuff to sell too. There was that sure. one in New Jersey that auction we talked about a couple a couple years ago, where all that shit was being yeah. sold off from that collector. It was nuts. They, they hired an actual auction house to sell the shit he had. It was insane. We didn't go over the specifics of what it was sold for, but there was a, a ton of stuff. Uh, but even probably comic books is going to hit that. There's so many comic books out there that are not worth anything that we collected even in the 90s that we collected that are not worth anything. No one's going to want that shit. No one wants the baseball cards and hockey cards we collected in the 80s and 90s. It's all worthless. It was worth something to us for a bit, and now it's not worth anything. And it won't be worth anything to... I have kids. They would toss all that shit immediately. They would toss most of my comic books. Probably 95% of my comic books are worthless. If I go through them, be like, well, I can't even sell, I can't even give away some of these. Rob Navani, she would laugh at me and throw them at me. <laughs> Except for some of the Silver Age stuff, some of the first appearance stuff, like Iron Fist, and it's like, okay, some of that. But even the condition's not that great. It's, it's better than ours, but it's, you know, it, it, you are, it comes back to this. Since, since you value it the most, it's the peak of collectability to you right now. Like, that's it. Right. You're it. After that, it's all downhill from there. There's no reason if you didn't grow up with this shit that another generation after you is going to value it more than you. Nostalgia is tied a lot to this collectability of these things. So that's that's pretty much the long and the short of it. And for Atari, it's it's that's the case in point. They're dying out. They're getting older. They're they're the you know the boomer age. The Atari collectors. Um, so even the rare stuff. I'm looking at right now on eBay. I got a safe search for some of this rare stuff, and it's like, yeah, this is cool. But after this, this is it. This is the this is the, this is it. Chase the chuck wagon. Fifty years from now, no one's going to care about chase the chuck wagon. Yeah. What is it even worth? Chase the chuck wagon. Last I checked, it was worth like a hundred. I don't know. I, that was years ago, though. And that was years out from the last uh, time I checked. Ninety year best offer. Yeah. You can buy it. There's That's the, down from where it used to be. Yeah. You used to be, spend more than that on a chase the chuck wagon. Oh yeah. No, I remember when I was doing when I first got into Nintendo collecting. I think that was like a five hundred dollar game. I mean, Chase the Chuck Wagon was the name of that. Uh, the website. The website. I mean, it was. It, it's a hundred dollar for the cart. It's a hundred bucks. That was known at the time to be like the rarity that everyone wanted. And Chase no one gives wagon. a shit anymore. Nope. About stuff like that. Maybe Pepsi. Pepsi Invaders. That'd be a cool one because that was a weird promo one. Does anyone out there have a Mr. Boston on Vetrix? That's the weird one I want. I almost got one at one point. But I don't want to spend that's still worth funny yeah because there's like none of those yeah. at all but will that but something like that is there just a, 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 a the sweet spot where there's not many of them but how many people are Vectrex collectors that would want that right that even might take a nosedive in the future yeah who knows good it's so weird you're gonna find that Mr. Vectrex uh, or Mr. Vectrex you're gonna find Mr. That, Vectrex you're gonna find a Vectrex museum in, tw- in 30, 40 years if someone has that display so Anything else to add? Any, we missed out on any other Chashkis. Oh, Mark's toys from the fifties are worthless. Those were big in the nineties at toy shows. What were like the little, like the little, little figure, little toy soldiers, a little plastic feet, like uh, army, sure, army sure, men sure. stuff. They had yeah, Revolutionary yeah. War figures. They had Fort Apache, cowboys, and Indians. Mm-hmm. That shit was the. That's what people were looking for at toy shows. That I used to go to when I was looking for Star Wars stuff in the early to mid nineties. It was people like my father who were in their forties looking for shit they, that when they were kids or in their 30s and that was the Mark shit from the 50s to like the 60s like that was it that was the stuff and the G.I. Joe's uh, toys uh, from the 60s I guarantee you they're not worth as much as they used to be guarantee you without even looking it up that those uh, the 12 inch G.I. Joe's from the 60s aren't worth what they used to be 20 years ago 15, 20 years ago 
because they're getting older, and I don't give a shit about that. I want my 80s stuff. And now the 80s G.I. Joes are worth a hell of a lot more than they used to be even five years ago. It's all cycles. All of it is cycles. All right, we done? We're done. Oh, fuck. I'm like winded from that. We're done. So that was a fun podcast, Ian. What are you, what are you typing up, Ian? What are you looking here? Trying to get homework done? No. That was... That's what I was looking for. I was looking for a special kind of baking powder. <clears throat> are you shopping while we're doing our podcast? We're, we are wrapping up the podcast. Were you, I literally uh, opened up the tab and typed in the powder you, I was looking for. I've seen you, but you've sent <laughs> tweets while we were doing the podcast. Yeah, you I don't have. deny that. I have. Keep your head in the game here, right? Yeah, I'm a, it's, it's, it's like these kids when they're in their. And their damn cell phones. You can't, you can't, you gotta focus. Phone, 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 phone. Anyway, yeah. Uh, what are you gonna say, Ian? I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out how to sign off on this episode of the CU Podcast. Go watch, go watch uh, Goodfellas and, and Night Stalker, double feature. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, gonna watch podcast. Night Stalker this week. Good for it. And, we, and, and, and maybe one day we can talk about something we watch on Netflix the same weekend. That would be fantastic. It'd be neat. Maybe we can actually prepare for the podcast. Today. We haven't. We haven't. We have well, well, that's a good thing about movies being gone. I can no longer yell at you for not seeing the movie that I, I have to talk about myself. You're saying, "Oh, you can't talk about it. I didn't see it yet." That was all the Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We're waiting a week to see this Marvel movie. It's like, well, that's good. No one's going to care about it. You know, movies have like a 36 hour lifespan. You can talk about them. When no one out. cares about our movie opinions, anyways. No, they do about the Star Wars stuff a little bit. Maybe. Maybe. I got nothing else to say about Star Wars ever. All right, we're done with this podcast. I'm gonna go eat some some swordfish. Uh, Ian's gonna go. Uh, he's gonna be Ian. I'm gonna go right. All right, talk to you later. Bye.